Welcome to the Empower Hour podcast. I am your host, Amber Dobkins, and the purpose of this podcast is to inspire women to embrace their inner voice and speak their truth. We are continuing a series called Embody Your Most Courageous Self, where you will hear from eight amazing women on how they embodied their courage and their power. Today's guest is a powerful woman who went from witnessing a lot of violence, being a victim in some of that violence, learning to guard her emotions, and to being her own protector and hold her life down on her own to becoming a sacred mama mastery leadership coach. She creates pop-up experiences around the world for families to connect and inspire one another to lead meaningful lives. Today, she is the creator of In Her Wild Holistic Feminine Activations and and a speaker. Not only that, but she's an author in the upcoming book, Jaguar Medicine, which comes out in January 2022. And her chapter in the book is called The Sacred Wisdom of Faith. I'm so excited to read her chapter and to chat today with my Jaguar sister, Azizi Birkland. Welcome, Sacred Mama Azizi. Yes, thank you for having me. Yes, so glad to have you here. Now, the other day we chatted a bit before coming on the podcast, and I believe you shared a powerful quote with me about dreams and that dreams are the seedlings of reality by James Allen. Can you tell me more about what that quote means to you? So, and, and, you know, sometimes our dreams can be nightmares, right? Uh, essentially, what when I listen to this book and I've listened to this book, oh, probably hundreds of times because I, it's about minutes long. And that quote always jumped out because whatever was going on in my life, it had to, it started in my imagination. And it, I, really that's the, the case for all of us. We don't understand how powerful our imagination is. And when things are going well, we don't really trace it back to our imagination. And I would say our imagination or our dreams where we, where we wander in our minds and start to come up with ways that we see the future. And sometimes the things that we're projecting in our dreams are great. And sometimes they're a little bit of a nightmare, but they are the seedlings of our realities that we eventually create from. And so that's always been guiding me. You know, so whenever someone says, what's your favorite book? That's the one that pops into my mind because it is so simple, but really powerful. What we think we create from but it all starts in our imagination, in our dreams, in our desires. And uh, our, our mind doesn't understand the difference between a, when we're using our imagination in our in best way or when it's in a way that's a bit self-sabotaging. It's still dreaming. It's still in a way of prayer, whatever we're thinking about, whatever kind of mantra is running through our mind. So, yeah. That is very powerful thought. Um, and I resonate with it as just a co-creator of my own life and designing my life and and also taking some of the things that have happened to me and kind of rephrasing them, looking at them from a different perspective and observing. It feels like it could fit into all of what you're saying there. Yeah, for sure. If we were more conscious about what we were thinking, and uh, where the mind wanders off to, we would know, <laughs> we would be more careful about how far we go down our imaginative rabbit hole. <laughs> and that's how my life was able to change when I started to realize just what I was doing and how I was using my mental power. 
Mm, I love that. There's a quote that um, I used to quote a lot, but I never fully understood it. And it was to take every thought captive. And now I understand it on a whole different level to where I'm aware of what I'm thinking and, and realizing when it is taking me off into a, a space that maybe is more negative or, or self-sabotaging, as you mentioned, versus taking me to my ambitions, my goals, and my desires. Yep, exactly. And that, that's what's, what's great about that is that then we know at any given moment, if, if, you, if you hold your thoughts captive, right? And captive meaning in your command. These, this is your mind, it's your ship. You need to be in command of everything that goes through it. You don't need you don't need to be on top of them, but they need to be encapsulated in a way that you can get access to them immediately. If you need to throw out the ship that you can do that, you know how to do that. But you need to make sure that you understand you're in command. You're the captain all the time. And uh, you know, the captain's responsibility is it what everyone is doing but to be willing to, when the time comes, take command of that ship and steer it in the right direction. So yeah, it is a good one. I love that analogy. You put it into a whole nother perspective for me where I can actually see myself and my mind as the ship and really, really steering it where I want it to go and trying to avoid those storms. <laughs> yes, and the thing is, so we can't necessarily avoid the storms, right? Because they're external, but we don't have to create bond, you know, storms in our mind. <laughs> the elements around us are enough that we cannot, we can't control the elements. You know, we, we hear this, you can't control other people. You can't, you can only control yourself. We, we understand that. Yeah, a large part of our lives, people will spend trying to change the things outside of them. And, most of the time, the reason why the outside is happening so consistently like that has to do with the way they're commanding themselves, their mind, their thoughts, their emotions. And because you can't change the outside, right? When, you know, literally right now, it's just pouring down raining. I live in Bali, it's, it's rainy season. There's no point in me getting angry at rainy season. I know it's coming, but I can be prepared. Just like a captain cannot command the waters, cannot decide if there's going to be a storm in the middle of the water or a hurricane or whatever. But what he can do or she can do is get better at knowing how to command a ship through the storms that will happen. But if you have so many, if you have all this dissension going on in your ship, when the time comes, you don't have enough power and command in order to steer you through conflict, which will happen, it's just a part of life. So the people who are, who look like they are on top of things, it's just because they have learned how to master themselves because they can't master anything else. And the more we master ourselves, the better the outcomes are in the good times and certainly in the bad, what we would call bad, which are really challenges that are just in the cycle of part of life. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I have. And now this is what I try and teach my daughters, what I try and talk to everyone about. <laughs> but it, it is really, it's really necessary, especially right now more than ever, to be in command of your own mind, and your own inside of your own domain. That's the only domain you have control over. Absolutely. It is so true that um, once we realize that all we can really control and all that we 
really have power over is ourselves and letting anything else that's beyond that, this out of our control goal, go instead of trying to control it. Oh, so are there some techniques or tools that helped you learn how to navigate your ship through those storms? Well, I would say a lot of trial and error, <laughs> for sure. But starting to notice the patterns. So as women, we have a unique mechanism inside of our body. We have a menstruation that is literally a cycle. So for us, if we get good at recognizing cycles right away within ourselves, we can start to match them up with what we are doing in our reality outside of our body. So it requires slowing down. It really requires slowing down and listening to yourself. And, you know, people hear this a lot, but they don't, I don't think it really connects. So let me give an example. So for, for example, if I'm speaking specifically to women, which I think for women, this is really great for us to understand. Number one, we have a 28-day cycle, 28, 30, you know, point is we have a long cycle. A man has a 24-hour day cycle, 24 hours versus 28. So when women, what women are trying to do right now is put themselves into a 28, a 24-hour cycle. And it pushes against us because we have a longer period, but we also have more defined changes throughout our month. So you try and put yourself into a 24-hour cycle, you're going to come up against some clashing because you're literally trying to do your whole 28 days in 24 hours, and you're forcing yourself through different aspects that are not that either that aren't the time right now for you. It's too fast. We're we're a little bit more. I need to feel into this. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to be ready tomorrow for that. It doesn't work like that for us. And if we just slow down to who we are and actually appreciate that we have that cycle, just like outside of nature, imagine if every 24 hours it was a new season. We would be so thrown off, yet we're doing that to ourselves, trying to force basically four seasons in a day. And so when you do that, you're going to come up with more and more resistance because it's unnatural for us. So for women specifically, we have to slow down and literally get in tune with our bodies. Literally. There are parts of our 28-day cycle, if I, if, I, if I put it on top and make it more scientific, that the body is doing certain things that require, um, that, that send out certain chemicals. So there are parts in seven days where we're really upbeat. We have so much creativity. At all kinds of thoughts, or yeah, I can do that, I can do that. But there's a window of that sort of creativity spur where it just is going and it's really active. And then it starts going into I want to, I want to actually do something, you know, like we we like nesting, but then there's a time where we find ourselves nesting and preparing for something to come because that's happening in our body. So we move from the creation mode, then we might move into all right, let me let me start. And so that means. What happens is we'll find ourselves where we don't want to be bothered. We don't want to be doing all of these things out there. Now we're kind of at home. We just want to feel, and you know, people will start to think something is wrong with them. A lot of the times there's nothing wrong, it's just that you don't understand where you're at right now in your cycle. And I'm not even just talking menstrual cycle. It obviously stretches out to your life cycle where you're into one thing and then you're not. 
but the, the, the dominant culture says, no, you're supposed to be able to do the same thing over and over again. So what's wrong with you? So then people try and get better at doing what they think is consistent, but it's, it doesn't match. They're just like with the seasons. You know, I'm in Bali, we only have two seasons, wet and dry, but still they're very defined. The type of things that I can do in wet season or a dry season are very different than what I would do in wet season. And I wouldn't expect nature to change for me because I want to keep doing what I can do in dry season. We're saying, no, that's not how this is going to happen. No, if you want to go to the beach, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get rained out. It's going to be all murky. All kinds of real stuff's going to come out of the water. That's what you want. Well, that's what you're going to get if you want to try and do that in that season. So you have to slow down. You really have to slow down and see yourself as a mechanism of nature and that you cannot just decide to continue to do things that is not appropriate for that stage. And that's how your body works. That's how the world works. That's how real nature works. But the human construct thinks that we have cheated that by creating machines, but that doesn't escape the cycle that is constantly going. So most of the time it's just slowing down because there is nothing wrong with you. It's just that you don't understand that you're now in another space that is demanding something different from you. And you may be resistant to change because change means, oh, change seems chaotic, but it only seems chaotic. You do not understand that it's a, it's a natural part of life. So you have to slow down. You have to start to notice the patterns. You can do this as a woman in a matter of two or three months, just paying attention and making taking a little note at the end of a, of a week to try and figure out you can find your own pattern. I can't tell you what's going to happen day one through seven of the month. That's not how it works. We all live in our own cycle within cycles around the planet. So if your cycle is maybe not necessarily matching up with the planetary cycle, because sometimes we get out of tune, we used to, we used to all menstruate according to the moon, but some of us are not. So then you're feeling one way when the planet is feeling another way. So then we have that. So to not make people feel... You know, for some, they might be thinking, why I have to, when you really respect and honor that, there's actually, um, there's a relief in that. Because you're going, oh, there's nothing, there's everything right with me. Of course, it's not snowing in summer. Of course, it's not raining like it does in spring. So, okay, okay, and why does it rain in spring? And why is it snowing in winter? Okay, if we start to pay attention to that, we respect the different things that happen because those things prepare, are preparing for the next cycle. So that's really what we have to do. We have to get in tune. So that method of tip is really one of slowing, slowing down, being more observant around yourself and, and seeing how it matches up with what's going on in the inside. So it's a slower process but actually, it can be very quick if you are intentional and you really focus. You have to pay more attention. That means you have to stop, go, 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 go. I'll get to it later. You can do that, but then you have to understand you will continue to face resistance because you're not paying attention to the center. This is the command center. You're going against the powerhouse, you're going to have resistance. So it's a slowing down. It's not a, well, every day you should meditate. No, no, actually, that's not true because some parts of our life, especially as a woman, 
we just want to lay down and not not do anything else, including meditating. Even that feels like a chore at some parts of our 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 month, our life. It's like, no, actually, just want to sit here and wander, daydream. That's what you need to do. And of course, that can become meditative. That is meditative, but not the way you may have been getting up at 5 a.m., for example. I can get up early at certain parts of the month, but when I'm about to menstruate, my body is like, oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and it feels hard. Like, oh, why did I put anything at, you know, 6 a.m.? I like being up at 6 a.m., like not during my, not leading up to it and certainly not the first few days of my menstruation. That's just how it is. <laughs> I can love it or I can love it. So that's really it. Absolutely. Yes. I resonate with what you're saying. And I know for me, um, I used to override my body. I know, I believe, like you said, tapping into the body and really listening to it, it gives us messages all the time. I feel like we just have to learn to listen. And nowadays what I found is by checking in with my body or, or looking for those little symptoms, like I, I, I used to get sick once or twice a year. I don't even get sick once a year anymore because I pay attention to those little signs, like a little ringing in my ear. And I'm like, oh, I better start eating some better foods or, you know, listening to what my body's asking me to do or resting and doing nothing and and not putting anything extra on my plate and allowing myself to rest. I notice that I don't even get sick anymore or, or very rarely do. And that's just one example. There's so many other examples where I listen to my body and sometimes I'm like, why? Why am I tired today? I really have all this to do. But when I allow myself to rest, it's usually the next day or two. I go, I'm so glad I rested that day because today's even harder. And, you know, for whatever reason, my body knew that I needed to take a day and replenish myself so that I could keep going. Yeah, exactly. And the, what the body and all of the other parts of us are so in tune with everything. And yeah, like you said, you can override it. That's our gift, being human versus an animal. We can override it consciously, but at what cost? Mm -hmm. So that's what you have to think about. Just because you can do a thing doesn't mean that's the thing you should do. <laughs> that's just it. This is how I talk to my children, you know? But the way we talk to children, it's quite simplified. We want them to understand what we're saying, but then we overcomplicate it as well unnecessary putting extra words in and uh no if you're going to do this there's always but everything has a natural outcome some what we would call consequences and that usually is something negative but really it's just an outcome when you do one thing it creates another thing it's just it's just math really this plus this equals that they're formulas that's what we we live in formulas our we cannot escape them each season is a formula in itself there are certain things that need to happen. This plus this, the air needs to be like this. The temperature needs to be, the ground needs to be this way. And then you, you're creating that way. It's just formulas. So yeah, it, it's, it becomes a lot more fun when we realize that there is something larger going on that we can tap into. But we have to stop seeing it as an enemy because it's getting in the way of our productivity. <laughs> Humans like being productive and productive means busy. <laughs> and that's actually doesn't actually get things um, 
done in the way we actually want to. We actually just want to feel good about our days. We put so much stuff in it to feel valid. We're living. And creator, what created all of this didn't need us to validate it through our actions and adding so much, but our intentions actually, not, not what we do, but why we do it is mm. what um, and offers our gratitude that we are here, not in how much we do. So yeah, it's slowing down. Sorry, there's no way around it. <laughs> I love that. I think it's a great message. And I love how you you've taken really, I mean, a consequence, like you said, it isn't anything negative, but you've rephrased it to look at it in a, in a more positive way. And I, I think that is a big message too, where we get these things in our head, it, it may just be a word and or maybe what we've taught or social norms, where we look at these things as something negative when they're really neutral, and it's all in what we do with it. Yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, there's so much going on around the world where people are getting angry at outcomes. <laughs> you say, if you want different outcomes, you got to have a different input. <laughs> That's just how it works. So, but again, because this isn't common knowledge, like you said, you were taught anything that we see negative, we spend a lot of time just being you know, beating down the negative. It's already there. That's enough. It's negative enough. What do you want to do about it? What do you want instead? So if you don't want that instead, stop focusing on that. Start taking some steps backwards and figuring out if you want to focus on that, the only thing you need to do is ask yourself how that happened, right? That's one area. Or you can just go straight to doing the things that you think would make a, have a different outcome. So you don't even want to spend too much time in, in dissecting the negative unless you know how to do that in a way that's going to bring you information so that, oh, don't do that anymore. That's how, that's what led to that. But instead, people try and change outcomes through the outcomes themselves. <laughs> yeah. Because that requires looking in here. I had a beautiful conversation with someone she was stalking me yesterday. <laughs> she reached out WhatsApp, Facebook, and Instagram. And I saw it, but I was in the middle of something. I said, by the level of urgency that I can see in here, I'm not going to answer it right now. I'm going to finish what I need to do because I have a feeling I need to bring a certain kind of energy to whatever it is she wants to talk about. And I finally get around to talking to her. And it was just that. She had had a situation and she was feeling a certain way about the external and she projected every single, um, every feeling she was having on the external, on the people who she felt was making her feel a certain way. And so I had to ask a series of questions. This is what I ask people. So give me some information here. Did you actually do the things to create a different outcome? Because it sounds like you have been consistently getting the same thing. She said, well, no, because if I done that, then people, they would have, maybe they would have thought this about me and that about me. Okay, so you yourself did nothing but uh, wait for things to change outside of you. You expected people who were doing their own things to create their own outcomes to focus on you so that your outcomes would be different without you actually being a part of the equation. Well, yeah. Okay. So then 
Uh, have you been consistently um, getting those same results from doing nothing? <laughs> yes. Okay. So what do you think needs to change? <laughs> and, you know, over time, oh, it's me. You know, I know she wanted, to, she wanted the whole thing for me to say, bad people, bad people. I said, well, what part of your life did you get involved in? Well, none, because they should, oh, I see. So you were looking at the outcomes and you kept wanting the outcome to change by not doing anything different about on your end. And you kept doing the same thing. Isn't that beautiful that it was consistent, <laughs> the outcome? <laughs> so then we have no problems, no problem, except the one, you not doing anything different, but watching for over six weeks, the same outcome happen, expecting something different. We would call that insanity, we say that jokingly, but that's what we're looking at around the world. A lot of insane people because they're expecting different outcomes and they're not being a part of the equation. They're kind of waiting and just waiting. So yeah, it, it's, it's a powerful thing when you recognize you're, you're a part of this cycle, whether you like it or not. So actually, you, were, you weren't inactive because you can't be inactive in something that's constantly evolving, just like you. So you're, you're not doing something different was still in action and still help create the same outcome. There is no inactivity. <laughs> so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. Yeah, we have to put some steps forward. We can't just think that everything's going to work out for us without doing something for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the whole idea, and I, a lot of people in the new age, I, you know, for me, spirituality just is, in the new age, there's all this talk about the universe wants me to do this, the universe wants me to do that. Well, I'm going to be the first, maybe not the first, but I would say, no. <laughs> Actually, the universe itself is quite neutral. Universe is not more in your quarter than anyone else's. It just exists according to the laws. The universe is governed by the laws. The universe is not the law. It is governed by the law. Cause and effect is one of the laws. The balance is one of the other laws. Everything is governed by laws. The universe is not saying, oh, I want you to do this, and so you must wait. That's not how it works. So if you want something to happen for you in this universe, that you are inside of the universe, we would say, the universe is not actually here trying to dictate your life. That is uh, too much self-importance. And if we understand that we're just one speck in the universe, we won't be demanding so much of the universe itself and waiting and then blaming the universe when things don't go right <clears throat> and saying, well, I guess the universe didn't want me to do that. No, that's actually escapism. That's not knowing how to use your power. And it's okay that you don't know how to use your power. But the universe is not going to give you more hints than you already have. Because <laughs> the universe works by the natural, the laws. The universal laws is what the universe works by. And it cannot escape them to play favorites. Because that wouldn't be fair. That would mean that the world is actually chaotic. And the world is actually quite systematic. Um, it's not chaotic. It's only, only think things look chaotic when you don't understand the formula. Mm. 
I, I think we have an enormous opportunity, uh, just like every other species, just every other mechanism, but we have to understand the laws that govern the universe. And we have to know how to use those laws that are not going to change because we don't understand how they work. And that's a good thing because that means they're always consistent. They're never going to fail us. So if you learn them, then you can live by them. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. I like that. So can you tell us more about your chapter in Jaguar Medicine, the sacred wisdom of faith? I feel like that may dovetail on what you're saying. I'm not sure if it does or not, but. Yeah, it does. Uh, because the way I see it, you know, and I'm talking about the laws and lately I've been talking more about the, the law. When I say the law, some people may call it God. And what I'm saying is that there are certain things that uh, just like I said, we, we can't escape winter or spring or fall, depending on where you're at. And I can't because I, I literally physically move myself from a place that doesn't have winter. But that's the only way I can do that, right? I, I can't I can't change it where I'm at because that's the law. That's how it works. So my chapter is about uh, a time in my life where I started to recognize that I wasn't using my powers fully. And I started to realize, wow, I have enormous opportunity. You know, I had become a mother. And through the process of becoming a mother, I became a woman, really. Because I realized that a lot of the way that I was about to leave my family, or really wasn't going to be leaving, I was going to be following. Following this system, following that system. Put my kids in school, and they tell me what to do rather than realizing I'm a client. I'm paying for this school, whether it's private or public. Uh, and I woke up in the middle, in the beginning of motherhood. My daughters were really just maybe a little under one and the other one was about almost three. And that's when I started to really wake up to there's more to me. And I decided that I wanted to be more in command, you know, that goes back to the command of the ship. And I was starting to do all the things that showed I can be in command of my life. There was still an aspect of me, though, that was referring to the experts to see, am I doing it right? And for in my situation, it was doctors. When I decided that I would become the family doctor, as, I, as I'm comfortable calling myself now, but, you know, let's say, I think it was about seven years ago. No, more than that, a little, a little over seven, seven or eight years ago, I wasn't comfortable, even though I was doing all the things. You know how you said when you got in tune and you weren't sick anymore? My family went from someone sick every four to six weeks to not at all, to me being in tune and, oh, wait a minute, you're looking a bit off. Come over here and get my little tincture. Wait a minute, let me look in your eyes. And I could sense what was going on because I had gained command of what my role was in the family and I started to own it, I took ownership of it. But there was still this part of me that was going, yeah, but I just wanted to make sure, I still want to check with the experts every year to make sure that what I'm doing in my home that I see working, I'm looking at the outcomes, the outcomes are actually working out, but I'm still doubting myself. And in doing that, I start to change the formula because doubt is an action that sends out chemicals that now start to interfere with how I operate. So by me having doubt, I was losing faith in myself. So faith, the way it has been taught to us, is this externalized thing. I need to have faith in this. I need to have faith in that. 
and not in myself, especially if you grew up in any kind of religion. I think most of us did to one, from one extent to another. Faith is always outside. And so even though I was doing all of the things to prove that I had earned the right to own the role that I had decided was my right to have, was my right of passage. I hadn't been, I hadn't been holding myself to faith internally. I was still putting faith in the doctor to certify me every year. I was still going to the conferences and asking more questions and they would go, you sound like you could be leading this. Like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just a mom. No, no, I'm just a new person at this wasn't owning that I had actually taken full command. And so that doubt was still making me feel insecure. So my chapter is about that story of recognizing that this is what I've been doing. And then a situation happens where I'm confronted with myself because that's the only person that really confronts you. And because of the energy that I've been putting out and the way that I've been operating, I had an outcome right before me and I had to make a decision. You know, I had made a decision that I would no longer go to doctors. And then because I still felt afraid about saying that openly, I wasn't using them anyway. I was just going to be certified. We had health insurance, but we weren't using it because I would, if I went to an acupuncturist or homeopath or any of those types of things, that insurance didn't take those. So I wasn't using it. I was just going for the wellness as, you know, ticking the box and, well, there's still more of an expert than my acupuncturist, which is, which was not true. Uh, so yeah, I was confronted with that. When I made the decision consciously that this is what I was going to do, I just watched the domino effect of things start to go wrong so that I could doubt myself. And so my chapter is all about what I do in that situation and um, what it takes me back to. Uh, you know, there's kind of some time travel going on in my chapter bringing me back and then forward again, and then uh, being able to uh, come to terms with where I'm at and decide what I'm going to do. So yeah, without giving it away. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's powerful. I think doubt is something that so many of us struggle with and learning to have faith in ourselves, or, or even confidence. Um, I've studied confidence and, and that is something that can be learned. And all it is, is just doing what you say and stop doubting it and and really teaching yourself that you can trust yourself and that you do have the wisdom within and therefore comes the power and the embodiment and the confidence. Yeah, yeah, just do it anyway. You know, when doubt sets in and you know you've lined up everything, all your ducks in a row, do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Do it because eventually doubt starts to fade through your actions. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that wants you to be inactive. And that's the only way doubt can continue to grow. Because even if you, let's say, we call it fail, but if you recognize that as just trial and error and you don't see that as you being a failure, but you're just learning one way not to do it, then that can help with doubt going down. Because you stop doubting that you can overcome challenges. You can, there's always a way to spin how your life's happening in the outcomes. Like that's why it's so what I heard someone say this years and years ago, either love it or you learn from it. It's true. So either way, you can benefit. Either everything's riding high, you're on cloud nine, everything is great, or there's a challenge and you're watching yourself overcome it and you can really learn, and you can learn to love how you navigate through challenges 
And then that becomes what helps you rise more and more into having more faith and confidence, like you said. And confidence is an outward, as an outward um, ex, um, expression of faith is what confidence could be related to. You know, you have the confidence to do something, but faith, you have the faith that you can. So faith is uh, it's like a precursor that then you use that confidence to do something. Faith is not an action itself. It's what allows you to believe that you can do a certain thing. And then confidence is the knowing. Yes, I can. And then doing it. You have to have the confidence to do something. Otherwise, confidence doesn't have any purpose if you don't actually do anything with the confidence. So, yeah, I love it. They match up perfectly. Yeah. that. Yeah, there's so much there that I could just unpack <laughs> but i love how you just you kind of lay it out you really do speak in formulas and you know the doubt here's what you do with it you, you get some faith and you add it to the doubt and and then the confidence can come from that um yeah that's a really i like the way that you think about that those things what do i need first and how can i add that to what i already have or diminish subtraction also, right? Mm -hmm. um, to have the equation equal out to the outcome that I desire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. So um, oh, through the doubt, so we talked about the confidence and the faith over can help us overcome the doubt. Um, at, what about like regret as moms, I feel like guilt and regret can also come with that doubt or, or maybe oh, yes. alongside. Oh, yes, definitely. You know, and what is regret? Regret is a looking backwards, right? It's a looking back on something that you missed. So when you feel regret, it's a perfect opportunity. You're going to have that. Listen, I, there, this is the thing. So as people may be hearing me speak, I'm not at all indicated that I don't have these range of emotions. Of course I do. Now I just know what to do with them. Of course, there will be some um, things that I miss. But if I am committed to constant expansion and growth, I can't stay down in the pity party too long because nobody's pulling me out. I know this. I grew up in violence and chaos. And I say chaos because I could not explain why people would be so violent. So. I mean, I, I can't explain it now, but then for, for sure, it just seemed chaotic. So I had to learn how to rise above that because I knew that either I would rise above it or I would be consumed by it. That was not going to be okay with me. So that has been a guiding principle. Luckily, because of this upbringing, I love, I have so much respect and honor for my upbringing because it has taught me, number one, that I have to learn how to take situations that have not worked out to my benefit that I didn't expect or didn't want. And I have to figure out what can I take from this so that I can, one, not do it again or not see it again and do something better and have something better. So something like regret, moms have a lot of regret because we care, number one. We want the best for our children. We are naturally born to nurture something. So that means when we want to nurture, it's in us. We can't help it like, oh man, it, it could be down to making 
you know, I don't celebrate Halloween anymore, but when I did, it could be down to me <laughs> literally with my daughters and the Halloween costumes that I made, but oh, man, I should have just added just a little bit more <laughs> like red to that. Oh, it would have next time, you know, it's just this feeling of like, ah, I missed an opportunity. But that doesn't have to be the, that doesn't have to be so bad. You see what I'm doing in those situations? A lot of times when there is a regret and you have given your all, all you're seeing is like, oh, there was just a window that I could have made it even better. Because that's what we want. We want to see things get better and better and we want to be a part of it. What we don't want to do with regret is start uh, beating up on ourselves as if there is something wrong with us. All we're seeing when we're looking at regret is looking into the past, but you have to be careful when you look into the past because you can't repeat it. You cannot. Even if you do all the things, it's no longer in the past, it's in the present. So you cannot repeat the past ever, ever, ever. Everything you do is always from now forward. So when you look in the past and you're going, ugh, ugh, that's just shows, indicate, indicates growth. You can't have regret without growth. Because that means you have already learned something that you wouldn't do the same way. And you've learned a way that you might want to do it differently. That's growth. So that's a beautiful thing in a way, having regret. You know, I look back at my past, I'm like, ooh, it's what were you? I mean, we can do it with just something as simple, like oh, looking at a picture and going, oh, I can't believe I wore that. Oh, look at my hair. Because you have grown. You're not that person who will wear hair like that or wear those clothing or do those things or go to those places. That just means growth. Because you don't have to be embarrassed that you're no longer that person. Remember, we're in cycles. So that, and actually it's more of a spiral. So if you understand that, if you're, if you're doing what you're here to do, you should always look back and have a bit of regret in a way in terms of, mm, I would never do that again. Oh, I can't believe yeah, great. That means you grew. Perfect. Perfect. Now, what can you do with that growth by looking back and experiencing that sense of embarrassment or, or feeling like you missed an opportunity? When you were doing it, you did not see that because you couldn't because you hadn't grown from that experience yet. So that's what we have to start doing. So we have a dominant culture that always wants people to feel bad. Why? It's called materialism. And when people don't feel good about themselves, they have to go outside to buy something or experience something outside of themselves, which makes people a lot of money. That's just how products work. This is not a bad or a good thing. We can talk about it that way, but really people make money and they have livelihoods based on our sense of lack. So the greater sense of lack you have and not understanding that it's an opportunity for growth, you're going to try and fill yourself up. So there is a dominant culture that makes you feel bad when you so-called fail so someone can come in and fix you or you can find things to fix you. You don't need to do that if you just recognize that it is a moment of growth. That's all regret is. So as a mom, yeah, you're gonna to wanna to do things better and better and better. That's what you're born to do. You're a creator. That's what we're born to do. So we're always thinking, how can my creation be better? How can my creation be better? We can't stop creating. When our children are on the outside, that's just one aspect of us using our creation power. Even you're making, if your children go to school, you're making school lunches, you're creating. We're always creating. Oh, your child comes home. Oh, I hate that lunch, by the way. You're like, oh, really? 
you get back in there. You don't stop making lunch. <laughs> you don't, well, forget it. That's it. I can't make school lunches anymore. I'm a failure. My child just has to starve. No, we don't do that. So don't do that to the other parts of your life. They're just moments of a, a period that now there was a, you, you were in one area you didn't see because you weren't high enough in a way like an eagle gets higher. They can see everything going on. You were down in it. When you're down in it, unless you're good at, at this and you've been trained enough to learn how to see all the things, and even then when there's so much going on and our senses are being spread in all these different ways, you're going to miss some things. It's fine. Just get back in there. The only regret that you should, the only thing you should really regret is regretting regret. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And people do that. Ugh. And then you start feeling bad for feeling bad. Just take a pause and, re and realize you have an opportunity here. Have that little down period. I'm not at all trying to tell people to escape their emotions. Your emotions are where it's at. Just learning how to interpret your emotions that I'm asking you to do. Why, why am I feeling this? What just happened here? What could I have done? Oh, what could I have done better? Not what could I have done? What could you have done better is easy. You know, like that, that unloving father. What could I, what could you have done better? What, what went wrong here? You know, oh, huh, I wonder what I could have done better. Get curious. Get Playful. Curious. Yeah. Childlike around it, it sounds mm -hmm. like. Yeah. So that's my long way of talking about what moms, what we experience. I think it's a beautiful thing that we want to constantly um, do uh, to, to beat our older self, our, our former self, rather. I think it's beautiful. Just don't compete with yourself. Don't do that. You don't need to compete with yourself. You just use, use your experiences as information. That's the only way we grow anyway is through experience. You can't grow any other way. That's why we have, we, we figure out ways to create them all the time. Whether it's, this is what we're doing right here. We're figuring out ways how to create experiences that we can grow from, that we can learn from, that we can feel good about, we can mature, it can help us excel, expand, grow. That's it. That's what creation is for, to grow and expand. Mm -hmm. I like that. I, I really resonate with what you're saying as my chapter in Jaguar in Medicine is not only about embodying your most courageous self, but embracing all of yourself, becoming whole with yourself and, and you saying don't compete with yourself and, and allowing yourself to regret, but doing it in a more positive way, I guess I should say. I don't know if, if positive is, is the best word to use, but maybe a balanced way where you can look at okay this didn't really work but i'm not but i'm not that person anymore and i can do it better now not beating up on yourself but rising above like that eagle that eagle vision seeing it from a higher perspective and saying oh i can transmute this no problem That's right yes exactly too easy <laughs> you know you okay fine just too easy no problem you know, we have these, and I use terms like unloving father. Everyone understands what that's looked like. We have enough movies to know or experiences, depending on what kind of home you grew up in, what unloving father looks like. And a lot of time we, un, we father ourselves unlovingly. And it shows up as, um, it shows up as feeling like you are not good enough, that you have done something bad. And then when we do the unloving mother, it shows up as this martyring ourselves. Oh, I guess I just have to do that. Oh, well, I guess it's just, I'll just put, I'll be self-forgetful and then project that and then want everyone else to 
praise you for basically being self-forgetful and so-called putting your needs first, which is not true. So that's a lot of regret comes from that because a lot of time passes if you stay down in those roles when you're not paying attention to your emotions. So it is, again, it's that going back to the beginning, it's the slowing down, it's the paying attention to what's happening here. But it's a practice. But you, and you have to be dedicated to it just like anything else. People say, oh, gosh, it sounds like a lot of work. Yes, but so is, it, so is doing it um, completely checked out. That's a lot more work as far as I'm concerned because you're always playing catch up because you're not paying attention. So you can do the work in one way. You can do the work proactively or retroactively. You can either, you can either, you can either have it handed to you, you can do it on the results end, Oh, damn it, I missed that again. And keep missing and missing and missing because you're not paying attention because you're not being proactive or you're going to be reactive. So it's, you take your choice, but you're going to have to um, put your focus on something. It's just where you want to be, the cleanup or you want to be in the free stuff. I like to be as much as I can at the forefront of my life. I've made that decision. I have seen why that works and why there's a benefit to that. And that why it is there, it is for me, the worst thing is to hand over my life and my decisions to someone or something else outside of me. I don't, I, that doesn't set right with me because I have less command over my life. I'm not talking about being a control freak. I'm not trying to prevent things. I don't need to do that when I'm proactive about what kind of outcomes I want. I don't have to try and prevent things. I just have to keep doing the things for the most part to the best of my ability to get the life that I want the best way I know how in that moment. And then recognize I will always have room for growth. I'm always, that's how I knew how to do it when that's the information I had. And then now that I know this, I'm going to do it differently. But I could not have gotten to that place without the time before, without those experiences. So there's, that's all, that's all there is. And that's why it's, you know, no need to beat up on yourself. That's what you did in that level. It's that grade level. You know, we know this, we understand this in a way where we go to school, everyone, most people have gone to school. What you do in the first grade is, should be different than what you do in the fifth grade. So for sure, by the time you get to the fifth grade, when you're looking back, you should see areas uh, that you have grown in things that you certainly, your handwriting is gonna improve. You're just the way you use your mind is going to be different. But it's all built on the first grade is built on the second, the second grade is built on the first grade, right? The third grade is built on the second, it's built on the first. But you can't get to the fifth grade. Everybody wants to go straight to the top. And unless you have wings, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to do it one step at a time. <laughs> and so that's it. They're all relevant. It's all, it's all part of the same, same destination. Yes, absolutely. So can you tell us more about what you do like in your in her wild and sacred mama mastery? Yeah, this is what I do. <laughs> I talk people off the cliff. <laughs> Get that step back, step back. What are you doing? Uh, you know, it's a slow process. I like to take people through cycles. And what I have learned looking back at myself is that I was doing things in, a, in, in four stages. I didn't know it then because of course I was in it and I was getting better at it. And I finally saw maybe one stage that I knew I was doing well. And then over the time I found out it was really four. And I, in my program that I have coming up, I have 
called them my four phases of self-mastery. And the first one is unlock. You need to see what you need to unlock that door to yourself and see what's in there. What's good? What can I keep? What, what needs to be transformed? What are the parts that have been dragging me down that every time I get to a certain stage, I just can't get beyond that? Oh, that's because there's something you need to unlock. We need to figure out what we're going to do with that. So we unlocking is an observing area. And if you get good at this, you're always constantly, you're really always observing yourself, but there are times where it's more active. Then you go into the unload. Okay, now I've unlocked it. Now I'm just put everything out here. I figured out this I want to keep, this I need to get rid of or transform. I need to make it more usable for me. And then we do things that we can dispel those things, get move those things to the, let them die down. Because sometimes we have an imbalance of the things I don't want, but I'm still doing it versus the things that I do well, but I'm not doing enough of that. So we want to reverse that. We don't necessarily have to kill off anything, but what we want to do is figure out where we're at in that so-called plus and minuses of how we're thinking, what we're doing, so that we can create a balance of the two. Balance does not mean eliminating what we might call bad or evil, because good is balanced by what it's not. But you have to understand how they work in relationship to each other. So when one starts to overpower, that just means the balance that you want is off. So we're not trying to necessarily eliminate things. We're trying to eliminate the way we experience them. And that's what we're doing in the unlock and the unload phase. And then the next one, we're going to up level. And that's what I was saying. When you're looking back and you experience regret, that means growth. So in the up level phase, how can we get more of that? What I just learned. I just realized that I was doing X, X, X. And that's why it feels uncomfortable. Instead of feeling uncomfortable, let's turn that into something that's usable for you now. What did you learn? What did you learn about yourself that we can now use moving forward? And what can we do to support that growth? It might mean taking a course. It might mean getting a mentor. It might mean now it is time for me to meditate so I can hone in on more of what I realize I have potential of. So it's not a, it's not a one thing that you do to up-level, but the up-leveling is really about it is reskilling in a way, but it doesn't have to be a literal reskill. It's more of a reassessing how can I support where I'm at right now? How can I continue to support this growth in me? So I'm calling that up level. And then after we have done that, we need to unleash. We need to go out there and experience it because you're going to end up doing it all over again. But now when you're unleashed, now you're going to take everything that you have understood about yourself in this cycle and you're going to now use it for your benefit, but you're also understanding that it's just all experience. Every single phase is experience of your life. It's just now you're understanding what you need to be doing in each phase, how you can hone in on those experiences and they differ, just like I went back to the cycles in the beginning. So when I'm in one stage of my cycle, how I experience the world is gonna be different. If I try and push against that, I'm gonna have resistance. So then when I'm in my unleashed phase, I'm just more aware of that. I'm more aware of when I'm in resistance, who, which one, where is the imbalance? Do I need to go back and unlock something? What's happening? I need to unlock, I need to unlock or unpack is really what we're doing in that one. Unpack everything here, what's happening here? And start to look at that. And then we can go right back to the cycle and go over again. You're doing this, you do this throughout your day. Even with just something as simple as cooking, it's something for the first time. We do this all the time. 
And like you said, I like the formulas, you know. I, I like to be able to see it. And for, for some people, that's really helpful for them to have a little bit of a framework so that they can understand what they've always been doing, but to be able to put some markers there so you know where you're at. Until you get good at it, you don't necessarily need to keep going back to it and defining it so much because they overlap. You might be unpacking one area while you're unleashing another area. But at first, <clears throat> we want to show you what that looks like so that you understand where you're doing this and how to use yourself in any given um, situation or cycle in your life to your benefit. And knowing that in some parts of your cycle, you can do a lot of this, but you can't do a lot of that. That's okay. So yeah, so the Sacred Model Mastery Program, I'm starting out with a 12-week program to show you how to do just that. And then this time around, it comes with a one-year mentoring program where we have a, we'll have a private members group where people will come in and they have 12 themes that I think if you are able to hone in on these 12 themes in your life in the course of a year, because it's a slow and steady process, that you will see some major changes in your life but you're going to do it bit by bit rather than overwhelming yourself and trying to do this complete overhaul in 12 weeks. No, we're going to be showing you the tools in 12 weeks and then over the 12 months, you'll be able to use them forever. They're yours. And then each month you'll have, we'll have guest speakers. We're going to have uh, being able to have accountability partners, but in a slow way. It's not, we're not going back to, you know, you're not in the MBA program. There's no pressure but it's a guided way of being able to do it that way. Um, because that's what has worked for me, just recognizing, slow down. And actually a year goes by quite quickly. Uh, I find with programs, most of the time people look back and the program is over and that's when stuff starts rolling in and then they don't have the support. And they either feel uncomfortable reaching out to a person because they have a question and it's three months later. I don't want that. I want people to be able to do well. My goal is for people to not need me. So I need to do this well so that when I can say, okay, that I have, I know that I've done everything that I can do, but then you also know that you always have access because this is how this works. So yeah, so that's what my program is about. It starts in January, although we've started this month with a pre-launch. Um, As you know, you're in, you're in the retreat we're doing this weekend. Um, those are just some of the ways we're gonna be celebrating and just enjoying motherhood throughout the year. Mm, that's a beautiful container. It sounds like support and kind of sisterhood and really um, a, a safe space for a woman to come in and be embraced and be able to really look at herself and allow herself to be embraced and um, unpack and unleash and all of those beautiful things. Mm -hmm. I love the way you set that up. Oh, well, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed this chat and just getting to know you a little better and, and having you come and be a part of my world. So thank yeah. you so much for being here. Thank today. you. Thank you. Yeah. And I will just finish with a quote um, that I like that. Well, it's one of my quotes. So I will finish there and we will send everyone on their way. So the quote is, you hold the courage, just allow it to emerge moment by moment until you embody your most courageous self. Thanks everyone, see you next time.
Right.